0: This is Sunday school, and so we're still supposed to talk about, according to our Sunday school lesson, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we'll look at some of the portions of scripture without trying to put everything in a sequence. Just tell it like it is, as it's recorded there. And if you want to spend all your time trying to figure it all out, have fun. But now, take your Bible first of all, because it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all talk about the a resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is the really the, the foundation upon which Christianity stands. Uh, that's why we believe that uh, what we believe is the truth. If there had been no resurrection, we have nothing to believe, nothing to trust in. But we always want to know, is there life after death? Well, unless somebody comes back from the dead, you may question that. Jesus Christ is the only person who's ever come back from the dead according to his own power. He said, I have power to lay it down, got power to take it up again. A man by the name of Houdini says, if there's a way back, you can count on him finding it. Well, Houdini has been dead for a long time, and he hasn't come back yet. But one person did, and that was Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is different from all the other so-called religious leaders, you know Mohammed and Confucius, they're all dead. They're all dead. Muhammad, they're dead. Jesus, he's alive. So Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, look there in verse 1, where it says, in the end of the Sabbath, as some say in the end of the Sabbath, but as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. Now there's different times that they came to the sepulchre. Uh, These two had also followed Joseph of Arimathea when he took the body down and uh, took it to the sepulchre. Uh, They watched to see what he did and where he was at. They later, they left and they came back, to see what uh, they could do as far as with the spices and so on, so they were gonna anoint the body. But he says in verse two, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now they had sealed this door, the Romans had, because they were told, hey, you know those Christians, they may come back here and try to steal the body. So seal the tomb so that he can't get out. Set guards over it. Well, it didn't work too well. Because Jesus came back from the dead The angels had moved the stone. Now, evidently, the the stone did not have to be rolled away in order for Jesus to get out. Why? Because he could go right through the wall. See, a little bit later, he appeared into the upper room where they were, and the Bible says the doors were locked. So that means the disciples were scared to death, and they were in a locked room, and Jesus appears in their midst and then disappears. So that lets you know that Jesus could have just walked right out of the tomb. He didn't have to have us. Why well, was the stone rolled away? So that others could look in there and see that the body was gone. And so they did look and they did tell the body was gone. Now notice what he says here about this earthquake. You'll notice that there is also a thing about an earthquake. Look at verse 51 of chapter 27. But here in verse 51, notice when Christ died on the cross. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two, from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened. Many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. And went into the holy city and appeared unto many now exactly at what point this earthquake took place. It says there's one that took place here, and then there's one that took place over there when he was gonna come back from the dead. Now, it's possible that maybe it's the same earthquake, and it's just telling you that this happened, but not telling you exactly when it took place, because they didn't come out of the grave until after his resurrection. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have buried you know, Aunt Susie six months ago? And all of a sudden, she's come back from the dead also, and she's walking around. See, Jesus wasn't the only one. It says that many bodies of the saints which slept arose. There was others who was also resurrected. Because Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and that's what he told Mary and Martha concerning Lazarus. And she says, oh, I know in the resurrection, that's gonna, he said, I am. I mean, I can do it now if I want to. So he did, he raised up Lazarus from the dead. And so there was others who came back from the dead at this time too. And the Bible makes a statement in the book of Ephesians in chapter four, where it says, before he ascended, what is it that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth and led captivity, captive, and took those people. They were resurrected and took them to heaven. So we believe the Old Testament saints are up there, not down there. And so it's interesting when you try to put all these things together, and the scripture does not contradict. It's just that we don't have good understanding of everything. We can't always fathom everything that God says, but what he says is still the truth. So you notice what he says here, that he, in verse three, his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. Talking about the angel that went over there and sat on the stone. And verse 4, and for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. They must have fainted fast away. Those that were guarding the tomb. And remember, they said later, uh, just say that you fell asleep. And that uh, they came and stole the body. Uh, You know, usually if a Roman guard falls asleep on the job, mm -hmm, but they had to come up with some kind of a story. Because here they are. The body is no longer there. And the guards are like passed out. They're like they're dead. And so he says in verse 5 And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Christ, Jesus, which was crucified. And here's one of the best verses in the Bible. You ought to underline verse 6 in your Bible. What does it say? He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. So they went to see where he was laying, and lo and behold, uh, they saw a napkin folded. They saw the, the linen and so forth, as though it probably looked like he just came right out of that without disturbing it. Wouldn't that be scary? Now you say, what about this here Shroud of Turin? You know, everybody heard about that? You know, Catholics talk about it. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't seen it. I don't know anything about it. I just, I can't disbelieve it because it's possible it could be. I don't care. But I don't need that as my proof. I believe Jesus came back from the dead, and that's all the proof that I need. And one of the greatest reasons that I know that all of this is good and real and true to me, and that is that when I consider my own life, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I can't explain it all, but something happened to me. He gave me eternal life. I became his child. And the whole course of my life for 55 years has been changed. He is more real to me than the clothes I got on my back. I do believe Jesus Christ is alive. And I believe he's real, as real as real can be. So I hope that he is also real to you. But now they were supposed to go and tell the other disciples. So look in verse 7. Go quickly, tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy. Fear and great joy. And it says, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. And then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. So this is Matthew's account. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark and chapter 15. Now, the several ladies that are mentioned in here, uh, they followed, you know, Joseph that asked for the body of Jesus from Pilate, and they wanted to know, has he been dead for a while? And they, yes, so they allowed him to take the body. So wherever the crucifixion was, there was a garden nearby and a sepulchre wherein nobody had ever been laid before. So evidently, Joseph of Arimathea was a fairly rich individual. And I have been there to Mount Moriah where they have a skull that looks just like a skull. They talk about Golgotha, the face of the skull, and it looks just like a skull. At the foot of that mountain is a, a bus terminal, believe it or not. There's also a beautiful garden there, and there is a, a tomb. And they call it Gordon's Calvary because they believe this is where Jesus was really buried, not at the other place where some people like to do it and thinking that's the Roman Catholic thing. Uh, I, I believe it's right where the Bible describes it. Anyway, here in the book of Mark, you'll notice um, in verse 39, the centurion makes a wonderful statement, which stood over against him, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, and he said, truly this man was the Son of God. I mentioned this the other day to somebody, <laughs> that John Wayne said this in a movie, truly this was the Son of God, and evidently not many people remember seeing him do that, but my daughter contacted me, and she says, it was John Wayne, and it was in the movie, and she gave me the name of it, and I don't remember it now. So, anyway, we know it happened because John Wayne said so. well, Not because of John Wayne. But look at verse 40. And there were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James and the less, and of Joseph and uh, Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him. Many other women which came up with him unto Galilee. So there was a bunch of them, but they're just certain ones that are named. So when Jesus had his ministry, and Galilee is up there, the Sea of Galilee, it's pretty good ways up from uh, Jerusalem. So they had a, a good long walk unless they took the train, but then they could have caught a bus, you know. Maybe they walked, huh? Or rode a donkey. I don't know if they rode many camels there. But he makes a statement here in verse 42, And now when the evening was come, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Another verse talks about it. He begged for the body. Pilate marveled if he were already dead. And calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he brought bought fine linen, and took him down, wrapped him in the linen, and laid him in a sepulchre, which was hewed out of a rock, and rolled a stone upon the door of the sepulchre. And this is why there's a possibility that later on, whether at the same time, and doesn't mention it, Nicodemus also came and bought about a hundred pounds of ointment to also do the same thing, and says that they both did it. So if this was temporary, then a little bit later, they both were together, but it's not as important as Jesus died, paid for our sins, was buried, came back from the dead, and that's what's important, and that was a finished work. So you look what he says here in verse 46, and he brought fine linen. Then in verse 47, and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, beheld where he was laid. Because later on, they were coming back to put some ointment on him also, and sweet spice, and so forth, and to anoint him. So look there in verse 1 of chapter 16. When the Sabbath was passed, now this Sabbath here is the Saturday, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother says they bought sweet spice that they might come and anoint him. Now, if they bought it, it wouldn't have been in the middle of the night because they were already, well, I could say, they came very early in the morning. What the Bible talks about, it was still dark And they couldn't have bought it on a Saturday because that was the day of rest. Unless they did it on a Friday. But then if he had died on that Friday, by 6 o'clock, they didn't have time to do it before the 6 o'clock deadline, which they can't do anything. They can't go anywhere. and They can't buy anything. So they had to do it on a day that that did not count. So that's why if you were here last night, you have a little bit better understanding on that. But now notice, it says in verse 2, And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, which would be a Sunday, they came unto the sepulchre at the rising of the sun. So this is when they came there. Doesn't necessarily mean this is when Jesus was resurrected, because I believe as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, that means the first day of the week started on a Saturday night at six o'clock. Here is the rising of the sun, so you know this is in the morning. The other one is in the evening, and I believe that's when Jesus came back again from the dead. So you notice, they asked the statement in verse 3, And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? Because how are they going to get in? Now whether or not did they know that it had been sealed, I don't know. And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, sitting in a, a clothing a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted, don't be afraid, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. Get this again, He is risen, He is not here. Behold the place where they laid Him. Now pretty much what we just read over there in the book of Matthew. But go your way... Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, the first day of the week would be a Sunday, But early would have been not the day when they came. It was already dark. The stone's already been rolled in. But early when that day began, which would have been late Saturday night. Now, notice what he says. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that they had been with him. And And it says, as they mourned and wept. Now, you're talking about people that are very, you know, they're beside themselves. They've seen Jesus crucified, and now He's risen from the dead, and some are having a hard time believing all this. You see, if man had wrote this, come up with a, you know, you're going to write a book, they would have never put all this stuff in there. They would have put it, everybody was happy, and everything was wonderful, and everybody believed. But they put in here all the negative, too, that was going on, how they thought, how they felt about all of this, that they didn't even believe it, and how that Jesus rebuked him for their unbelief, for not believing what he told them. You see, if if you and I were going to write a story like that, we would have never had, you know, all the things that took place. This is the most awesome story in all the world. Do you notice that people, for money, are coming out with these movies on the Bible? And they don't stay true to the book. I watched the other night, because it was on a little bit late, and I got over there and was over in Ormond, Beach area. And it had a part on there about the uh, killing Jesus. Anybody see any of that there? Killing Jesus. Written by um, O'Reilly. As I watched that, you know what? They missed the point. The whole point of, the, of why Christ came and died and came back from the dead. Nothing's there. They missed the point. They just make a good movie because they can make money off of it. But the story is not true to what the Scripture says. They don't get in there and tell him how, you know, the reason he's doing this is to pay for the sins of the world so they can have the free gift of everlasting life. I thought, man, let me write the thing. I'd put the gospel in there. Believe it or not, I would, I would even have, you know, Peter doing the wall illustration. <laughs> Make the gospel clear. But see, souls... Is not their it's to promote their religion and that's right at the end. And Peter went to Rome. There is no evidence Peter ever went to Rome. You can watch the movie called The Passion that was done by Mel Gibson. He made seven, eight hundred million dollars, I think that thing took in. You know, that's quite a bit of change, ain't it? And yet to the whole movie. Even though he comes back from the dead. Why? It didn't say why. What did he die for? Well, they killed him. Yes, but why? They missed the point. It's not in there. If you were lost, you go and you still walk away lost because they don't give the gospel. The gospel is the good news why he did all of that. Burns me up, makes me mad. And I'm a preacher. What's that? They're both Catholic. Yeah, and they both promote the Catholic Church. By the time you get there, that's what it's all about. But anyway. I did like the one picture that I saw that had a a picture of the devil. They said it looked it looked just like Obama. Anybody see that? It looked just like Obama. And uh, it's like he posed for the picture. I don't know. I don't know if it was on purpose or what, I don't know. But anyway, life do get interesting at times. But now notice, here's Jesus from the dead. He's risen and says that, um, in verse 10, and she went out and told them that had been with him, and they mourned and they wept. We should, they should be excited. But notice, and they when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, what's the next two words? What does it say? They, believe not. they believed not. They, they didn't believe it. They just don't believe it. It's just like in the book of Acts when it says that Peter was in prison, so the church was together and they were praying for Peter. <laughs> and Peter's at the door knocking. So go see who's at the door. It's Peter. It is not. Keep praying, y'all. They're praying for Peter to get out of prison when Peter's at the door. <laughs> Can't believe. God answered their prayer. And here they are, and they don't believe the story. These are the leaders. These are the ones that Christ spent three and a half years. And they had one final exam and they blew it. And these are the guys that's going to turn the world upside down? Think something's wrong with this plan. It seemed like everything came crashing down around them. They thought they would going to set up the kingdom and they're going to rule and reign and everything's going to be wonderful. And everything fell apart. Or did it? Notice what he says here. In verse 12, after that he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. He appeared in another form. You talk about people trying to make a movie. This was written 2,000 years ago to take upon another form, and you can walk through walls, he can appear and disappear. This is mentioned in the book of Luke, chapter 24, and it says that these two guys were walking along, very disappointed, very down and discouraged, talking about what had happened and how miserable they were. And their countenance was sad. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking along with them. And they're walking. And as they walked, they says. Have you heard what's happened in Jerusalem? He says, Jesus says, what things? (laughs) Like, what? Oh, we thought that he was the Messiah. We thought he was the one we were looking for. And now he's been crucified. Poor us. We thought he was the one. And Jesus says, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared unto you. And so he began to explain to them the scriptures. And then they, he acted like he was going to go someplace else and they was going to go to their home. He said, come and eat with us. So they compelled him. And then while they were sitting there, he prayed. And when he prayed, they realized who he was. And then the Bible says he disappeared, vanished out of their sight. Now that would be awesome. Wouldn't that be awesome to see somebody just appear, disappear. He could take up on another form and they didn't recognize him. Uh, this book is just loaded with all kind of good stuff. This is why people who want to make money, they try to copy the stories in the Bible. Some of the greatest, are the Ten Commandments, you ever heard of them? The robe, some of these other greatest story ever told, the passion, you know, all these things. It's because it's the Bible. The Bible has the best Look what he says there now in verse 13. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. They went and told it, and they wouldn't believe it. Man, I tell you, some people are just plain hard-headed. Look at verse 14. Afterwards he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Because they didn't believe the ones that he told to go tell them. And they wouldn't believe that. And so he's raking them over the coals. This is the Lord. I think this is awesome. Now take a Bible and look in the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24. Here's these two fellows walking along, minding their own business. And then this is something that takes place. But... Just very quickly, uh, look in chapter 24, but verse 1. See there in verse 1? Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, uh, they came unto the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. And they entered in, found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed uh, thereabout, Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulchre, and told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. that's why Jesus was upset with them. Then arose Peter, and ran unto the sepulchre, stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Then he talks about two that was on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus appeared to them and they were so sad. See there in verse 17? And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? What are you so sad about? Well, then he begins to tell them the story. He says uh, in verse 19, What things they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. And look at the next verse. And we believed, we trusted, that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. We thought he was going to be the one who was going to redeem. Well, that's what he did. That's what he did. But he didn't do it the way they thought he would do it. To redeem Israel means he has to pay for their sins. And that's what he did. But a lot of times, you know, people miss the point. And he says, and beside all of this, today's the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. They're telling Jesus what these women had told them, that they saw him alive and they saw some angels and they told us about this. But you know, you can't believe women. Well, that's not what he said, but I mean, it was probably implied. And so he says in verse 24, and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre, found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now that is one Bible study I would have loved to have in on. To hear him take the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament. And he went through and explained the scriptures that talked about himself. That would have been awesome. And so then verse 44, he said to them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So Jesus has just put his stamp of approval upon these three basic food groups. You know, we're supposed to feed upon the word of God. These are three basic food groups, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So if you want to get a healthy diet, you feed a little bit on these three food groups. And then verse 44, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scripture. So you see, it takes the Lord to help a person to really see and understand the Scripture. That's why when you trust Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and you have the teacher, the author of the Word of God living inside of you. And just because you want to know what the Bible says, you can read the Bible from one end to the other, and most of the time never get what he's really, they don't get the point. Think of how many people who read the Bible all the time, go to church, very religious, and have no clue that salvation is free. They believe they have to earn it by their good works. Got to go to church, you got to keep the Ten Commandments, you got to stop being bad, you got to start being good, and none of that's true. Not to go to heaven. They don't get the point. It's free and he talks about how the explanations of what Christ was able to explain to them says did not our hearts burn within us see what it says there in verse 31 after he had blessed the food it says and their eyes were open and they knew him and then look at the next few words he vanished out of their sight now why would you put that in the bible if that didn't happen that would just cause people not to believe the bible but if it's the truth, you still put it in. Why? Because it's the truth. He vanished out of their sight. Now, this has happened on several other occasions. But to think, here's somebody that can be said, wouldn't that scare you to death? I mean, here I am this morning. I'm up here praying. And all of a sudden, I'm gone. And all of y'all are witnesses. You saw me standing right here. And all of a sudden, phew, I'm gone. Now, would that upset you just a tad? Cause you a little concerned. Would it cause you to get up here and look around and try to find me? Maybe I fell over the banister here, and I'm I'm laying down on the floor. See, whenever Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind, do you know the school of the prophets? The boys got out there, and for three days, they scoured the countryside looking for his body. And they couldn't find him because he was taken up. They saw it happen, but they thought he just took him up there and then dumped him someplace else. No, no. I think it's awesome. See in verse 32, And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? I wonder what they really meant by the word burn. Have you ever talked about people or seen people on fire for the Lord? You say, oh boy, those people are on fire for the Lord. Are you on fire for the Lord? Does it burn within you that you just got to Serve God. Just got to tell people about Him. They couldn't stop you from being faithful. You want to serve the Lord and be faithful? Nothing could stop you. Well, there's people who are maybe lukewarm. There's some people who are cold. But the Lord says in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 3, I would that you were hot or cold. I think He wants us to be hot. Where the Word of God burned within us. There's a man by the name of uh, Jeremiah. He's called the weeping prophet because his whole ministry was miserable. I mean, he had very little, if any, success. He had to tell hard-hearted people a message from God, and they didn't want it, didn't believe it, and put him in prison and wanted to kill him. They didn't love him at all. And so Jeremiah says, I quit. I'm not going to tell anybody what God said. But he says, his words were in my bones like fire, and I could not stay. It means I could not keep my mouth shut. Now, that's when you got it bad. Many of God's people never get that on fire for the Lord, that they'll serve the Lord regardless of what anybody else says or does, whether they do or they don't. Most people are as strong as the last person they talk to, or, well, if you will, I will, and if you don't, I won't. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. You serve the Lord. You do it because that's what God wants you to do. So anyway, these are powerful scriptures. Look in John very quickly. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And you'll notice there in verse 1, verse 1, chapter 20, the first day of the week, Cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and another disciple, who we believe is John, who is used to write the Gospel of John. John was younger than Peter, so they had a foot race to the tomb. Peter took off first, but I believe it was John who outran him, got there because, well, he's younger. And he got there, and he looked in, but Peter went all the way in. And verse 2, he says, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said unto him, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they both ran together. And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. He stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet when he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, went into the sepulchre and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Now, many people believe that when they had the, uh, the Jewish Seder, that the napkin that would be folded up and left there simply means that the, the second person of this Trinity is coming back. They're supposed to go look and see if they could find him, but he's coming back, and it's a way of Jesus saying, I'm, I'm coming back, and that was Arnold Schwarzenegger, but Jesus is coming back. And so he says there in verse 8, Then went in, and also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went home, uh, away home, on other way. And so uh, then you have Mary standing there and weeping, and she sees the angels, and where the body had been laid. And so... This is where Jesus has not yet ascended to the Father and come back. And so he says, don't don't touch me right now. Later on, you'll find out that they came and they touched him and there was no problem. So between that time, he had already gone to the Father and come back. Now that's moving on. However far heaven is away, he can do it in nothing flat. When the Bible talks about you and I, when we leave this old world, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. The moment you are absent from the body, you're in the presence of the Lord. You don't have to worry about going through space. Oh, there's, there's Mars. Boy, there's another planet. Now I'm going to get into the end of the galaxies. Now i got to go through. No. Absent, present. The Bible talks about we will disappear here and appear at the judgment seat of Christ. Now that's fast, and that's moving on. So I think it's going to be awesome. You know, a lot of people are going to die physically, but wouldn't it be neat to be alive when Jesus Christ comes back again? Wouldn't it be neat, all of a sudden, here we are, we're just talking, blah, 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 <laughs> and we're gone. That's it. Are you ready for that, Mickey? You're right now, he says, he's ready to go. So anyway, this preacher, he asked the people in the church, he says, how many of y'all are ready to go to heaven? Want to go to heaven? Everybody raised their hand except one man in the back. He thought, well, maybe he didn't understand. How many here want to go to heaven? Everybody raised their hand except that one man in the back. He said, how come you didn't raise your hand? Don't you want to go? He said, yeah. He said, but I thought you wanted to take a load now. (laughs) We all want to go to heaven, but... I'm not interested in being in the first load today. No, maybe a little bit further down the road. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ has been validated. He gives us something to believe in. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God says that he loves us. He hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us. He wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, and none of us are perfect. We've all sinned. We've all come short of God's perfection. And God says, you cannot earn eternal life. You cannot work your way to heaven. He says, there's only one way to get to heaven. And most people have heard this. They just don't understand it. Jesus Christ had no sin. He was God in the flesh. He came into this world, lived a perfect life, and voluntarily took our sins and paid for their own cross. He came back from the dead, and God says, all you have to do to go to heaven, will you believe that when Jesus died, he died for you, paid for your sins so that you wouldn't have to pay for them? And the only thing that makes this whole thing work is if you will believe he did it for you. You're saved by grace through faith. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. It's free. But you have to believe he did it for you. That's faith. Taking God at his word. And if you'll believe that, he will give you as a free gift, everlasting life. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. And understand this. You think about the difficulties when Christ was here. And yet he finished the race that was set before him. Endured the cross. When you partake of the bread, you realize what he was willing to go through for us. And how he suffered for us. And how that he bore our sins in his own body on the cross. And when he shed his blood, he gave his life. He did this. And he says, I suffered for you. And here we are, beneficiaries of this. And God says, now I want you to suffer for them. Take the message to them. And God says, I will reward you regardless of how difficult it may be. And you may even die for your faith because of what you're doing for the Lord. It will be worth it all because there's a God in heaven that keeps the books. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you right now say, I don't understand it all, but I believe that when Christ died, I believe He died for me. And right now I will put my my trust in Him. And if you're making that decision, I'd like to pray for you. But I'm not going to have you forward. not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, say, preacher, I will accept Christ as my Savior right now. And I'd like for you to know it. And I'd like for you to pray for me in closing. So with his bow nice eyes closed, is there anyone at all? Say, so yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ right now as my Savior. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly? Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. You can put it down. Anyone else? There's no tricks to it. Just say, that made sense to me, and I want to trust Christ right now. It's my only hope of going to heaven. Anyone at all? Father, thank you again for your blessings, for giving us, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who paid our debt in full, came back from the dead so that we could have as a free gift everlasting life, by faith alone in what Christ did for us, so that we can know that we are going to heaven. And that's the point. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.